What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Shaping the Culture, and today I've got a special guest with us. He's a friend, a confidant, a ministry partner, uh, what's a shoulder to cry on. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, what else? I can go on and on. We've got none other than Pastor Seth with us. How you doing, bro? I'm good, bro. I'm happy to finally be on, to finally uh, bring our conversations, our wonderful conversations that we have to the light. Else. To the light, to man. the light. Yeah, we must confess so that we might be. <laughs> That's right. So that we might be healed. <laughs> so that we might be healed. It's a real honor to have you, no, uh, man. I really appreciate uh, you in so many ways, more than one. Uh, just love your heart for the Lord. Love your heart for the city. You're not from here, but you love it like no. you're from here. Right. That's right. Uh, your heart for the kingdom of God, the people of God, the church of God. Um, and just your heart for uh, what God is doing in the Twin Cities. I think God's doing some incredible things here in the Twin Cities. Yeah, man. It's and, it's, uh, it's special. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'm glad. You know how much I love you, bro. Like, you you know, you're uh, one of, like, two <laughs> people in the city. Top two man, and I ain't. No, I'm just kidding. Top two, top two and not number two, man. Hey, for real. One of two, like, two or three people in the city that I've met and got a chance to really, like, other pastors and leaders, like you meet other guys, but you know that we've really like bonded and spent yeah. good time. And I feel like I've got a, a friend and a and a brother. I know I've got a friend and a brother and a partner in ministry. Mm. Minneapolis, it's cold up here, so you need it's cold in more than one way. More than one way, so you need some <laughs> friends, man. You really do, yeah. No, for sure. Should we talk about how we met? You That's can talk good. about it. I don't yeah. remember. I don't. Okay, yeah. So what ended up happening is last year, as everybody knows. Uh, you know, Minneapolis took the news by storm with everything that happened um, here in light of George Floyd. And then, um, you know, I was just, you know, we were a young church plant at the time. That's a whole yeah. other story for another yeah. time. Uh, but really trying to figure out how to pastor through that, think through that, work, work through that, pray through that. And I was on Instagram Live, and I forgot all the pastors that were on the live, but one of them was Dr. Charlie Dates. That's right. That's right. And they were just kind of talking through how to engage or how to relate in light of everything that's taken place. Yep. Yep. And so I was like, hey, I'm actually in Minneapolis. You guys have any advice for me, young church plant, yada, yada, yada. Brian Dye, who's a friend of mine, was in the chat who also serves at Progressive. You have you met Brian Dye? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he he, he had Legacy Conference. That he yep, was, yep, yep, yep. But yeah, he's now at Progressive. He saw that I was in the chat. He was like, yo, I know this guy. Let's help him out or what have you. And uh, he was just like, yo, I got a guy that just moved to Minneapolis. He's also a church planter. His name is Seth. Y'all should connect. That's right. DM me your number. Uh, but what ended up happening was I just kind of... I don't know if Brian gave him my number. I did DM my number, but... Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think Charlie was actually on... I, I just remember, I feel like Charlie said, yeah, Ebenezer, he said, like, you need to connect with Seth Martin or something like that. And yeah. then I think maybe we DM'd, he DM'd me your number or contact or something like that. But it was a, it was Charlie and Brian. That's all I know. That's it. No, thank, thank you. Yeah, thank y'all. Y'all y'all created a monster That's, here. Yeah, y'all, <laughs> right, for real. Yeah, and so... Uh, what ended up happening was we connected online, and then very quickly, I think we met within a week or two. Yeah, because it was, I think, actually, the, yeah, we met within a week with everything going on. I think there was some 
you know, protests going on, some rallies, some prayer stuff, all those things like that. And I, yeah. I don't know. I don't even remember because that whole time of our life was a blur. It's but a blur. Uh, yeah. all I, I remember is you're on TV like every other day. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> happened. You're on the news just breaking down faith and justice and where they intersect and what that looks like. Completely. Uh, like, who is this guy that uh, Charlie Dates just connected me with? I was like, is he like a celebrity or something? I was not like, at all. <laughs> not at all. I yeah. was, I, I, you know. You were that, on CNN, right? I was. Yeah, that yeah. whole season was so interesting. And, you know, we talked about this. Like, first of all, imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. So during that whole thing, I'm like, Lord, I don't even feel qualified or like, mm. you know, I'm even the best person to even be speaking about certain some of these things and these dynamics. There's so many people that are way smarter than than me and all those things like that. But you know, in that season, it was interesting that um, it was a weird little confirmation. Mm-hmm. That it's exactly where God had positioned yeah. us. This that Minneapolis was exactly where God wanted us. And so, yeah. you know, I think how even all of that came about was just because of proximity. Like our yeah. my house was two blocks away. Yeah. And our church was meeting in that area. Like we had started up actually on like, I think 54th of Chicago. Um, And at that time it was COVID, right? So we weren't meeting in person. So we were recording a lot of stuff at our house. So, you know, and then one, interestingly enough, like the Baptist Press, which is a Southern Baptist um, paper, which is interesting now. Yeah, Um, there's much to be said about that. Much to be said about that. But they, they wrote one article, um, because they knew that they had a church planner um, affiliated with them at the time who was in the area. And so, you know, that happened. And then interestingly enough, like other news outlets called, like Fox mm. News called me, oh, wow. um, the national one. Yeah, and yeah. and I, I I thought about it. I was like, I don't know if I want to do it. They didn't want to do it live. So I was concerned they were going to cut up, yeah. you know, what I had to say and being right. able to speak the truth. And actually I called Charlie Dates about it and asked him, oh, and got wow. his opinion on whether I should do it or not. And I, ultimately decided not to. And then somehow CNN calls Mm. like the next day after I said no to Fox. So I say all that to say, I don't know how any of that transpired or how we got there. It was just one of those things where God had positioned us to, to, to speak the gospel. Speaking, speaking of imposter syndrome, I got to tell you a story. I think I've already told you this. Yeah. So around that same time, uh, a bunch of churches got together to put, I think there was like a prayer rally or what have you at the park. Yeah. Yeah. You talking about the one that Yeah, you guys put that on? Yeah, that we yeah, we organized that. Okay, yeah. So you guys had a bunch of different churches come together uh-huh. in Phillips Park. Right? Yep. And that's where you guys were meeting uh, as a church actually, ironically. Yeah, we met there week. that whole summer, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Hey, come, I like for you to pray. And I was like, Yeah, I'll come and pray, no problemo. Like I'll, I'm in there. I show up. And I'm walking with uh, my cousin Yoni. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Yo, is, is that is that John Piper right there?" And I was like, "No, nah, that can't be him. I don't know what he'd be doing." <laughs> wow. Like that. That's not. That's not him. We got closer. I was like, "Oh, that's that's oh, yeah. him." Now here's here's the, I gotta direct my attention to the screen real quick. I know there's much to be said. Sure, <laughs> sure. However, this guy for me growing up was a hero. Like a lot of my theology was formed by his contribution to the church and the kingdom yeah. of God. And so he he meant a lot to me in a lot of different ways. So when I found out he was there, 
I was like, oh, I'm not praying. Oh, man. <laughs> because of imposter I was like, oh, no way. I'm not doing this. This is going to be... This is going to be really hard for me to do. And so I remember you were looking for me. I think you hit me with, me with the text. I think I texted like, you, yeah. Yeah, I didn't respond. <laughs> wow. I was, and you know, I thought you weren't there, actually. I was like, man, he must have not came. Like, no, I was there. I was, pre- I was in the back. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, I go back home and I tell my parents, they literally clown me. My dad literally, sh- I've never seen him so embarrassed of me before. He just wow. shook his head. He's like, he's just a man. He's like, just a man. He's not. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> in the moment, I was like, yo, there's no way. But anyways, speaking of imposter syndrome, there's a lot of moments in my life where I felt that, and that was definitely one of those days. Yeah. I was like. You know, it's so funny. So there's actually a couple of interesting things about that whole story. Yeah. And I'll, I'll talk about this more ser- Well, I guess I'll talk about the more serious dynamic about it or the more interesting thing about it here in a second. Let me tell you a funny thing. John Piper was supposed uh to pray yeah. at that moment and yeah. at that at that particular gathering. Um and a uh colleague at the time he had, you know, got Piper to come out and everything like that. Now, mind you, I never met John Piper. Now I John Piper wasn't as instrumental. Yeah. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in my yeah. not if I'm ranking, but I just he just didn't have like as much of a profound right. uh Impact, impact on my theology and my, my understanding of the gospel growing up or anything like that. But I was very aware of who he was. Right. But he he came, and so a colleague brought him. He's like, well, you know, Piper's coming. Would you mind, you know, could he pray and things like that? And then what happened was actually, like, word got out that he was going to be there yeah, and that, you know, he might pray. And I started getting some some calls or text messages about people who were kind of concerned about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it was just concerns – a lot of it was personal things or things that maybe that experience and some of the dynamics that have happened or going on with Bethlehem. Yeah. And so it actually started concerning me a little bit more from a, I'm not, we're not trying to like, right. Let this, this ain't about none of that. I ain't, oh, yeah, I yeah. don't know him. I don't have no beef with him. None yeah. of those things like yeah. that. And didn't want it to hijack him on, but people were really concerned. And then on top of it, the previous pastor, um, who, who, who just left recently, Jason Meyer yeah. had already, he was going to be there and he had, gotten his whole church to come out yeah, yeah, as well. That. And so yeah. people were like, so that was, and Jason at the time, Piper wasn't going to be there when Jason had decided to do that. So it was going to be a whole thing. Yeah. And so I actually made the decision to not ask Piper to pray yeah. at yeah. the thing. And instead I asked Jason Meyer to do it because yeah. I wanted to honor the current pastor. Right. And I didn't want to, you know, with no disrespect to John Piper, but I didn't want to um, put him in a bad position or right. a bad spot. Yeah. You know, he's invited the congregation. He's been leading this congregation for several years. There's always already been some different dynamics going on. So I wanted to make sure to honor him. So it's funny, whereas you didn't pray because John Piper was there, I actually asked Piper not Not to. to. Yeah, Uh, That's where we're different, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I'll say (laughs) that's... This is where we... we It definitely took some Holy Ghost boldness (laughs) because I felt bad more, not because I reverenced, per se, him, but I felt bad because I didn't want to, you know, he's a sage of the city, and regardless of whatever things... You know, people challenges people may have. He's made phenomenal contributions to the kingdom of God and to Minneapolis. Yeah. So I didn't want to dishonor that, but I also didn't want to dishonor the current pastor. So yeah. I, yeah. I, that's the route I went. But you know, it's funny because, you know, heroes are such a ironic and funny thing in the kingdom of God. And we were talking about this um, even over lunch earlier today. Yeah. You know, growing and mm. just remembering not to make mm. idols mm. or you know you know, demigods of 
people that we look up to in the kingdom of God that they're wonderful. They can help us in our theology. They can be great mentors, all these things like that. But at the end of the day, we're followers of Jesus. Jesus, He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our King. And the moment we start denying the anointing and the things that we Mm -hmm. felt like God has called us to do or start stacking up what the Holy Ghost is telling us to do compared to maybe what mentors or people we look up to and that what they think, the moment we start doing that, we've missed God and we've replaced him um, with people who speak on his behalf. On his behalf. You're right? Which is crazy. Like, how dare we replace God with men who, you know, their responsibility and their their call is to be mouthpieces for God. They're literally just messengers. That's it. And we trading in the the message from the king or, or the wishes of the king yeah. for a messenger. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and and we're all in danger of that. That's something that God is growing me in this season. And I'm learning to not, you know, put too much of oh. my heart and weight in that. Maybe this is what we're going to talk about. Possibly, yeah. yeah this is a, a great segue. It's like, a great, yeah. I know for me personally, I'll just speak on my own experiences. I've had the opportunity um, in the last couple of years to be around some of the people that yeah. I have and I know you have too and we've had conversations about stuff like that and I have come to that rude awakening where they're just they're just people and I know sometimes we look at where people are at and we stifle what God is trying to do in and through us mm-hmm. especially as church planters because yeah. you're also a church planter yeah it's really easy to look at maybe how other churches are going about things maybe how other churches have experienced growth like I remember going to Village 101 in Dallas okay. yep. and Chandler saying they grew by a thousand every year for their first seven years. And I was like, <laughs> what manner of man? What is that? Right, yeah. Right. Like, am I a failure? Like, right. Am I, right. Like, am I not called to this? Yeah. But a lot of the times we, we, we mistake numbers or analytics for anointing mm-hmm. or we mistake numbers and analytics for God's call on people's lives. Yeah. And so we've got to we've got to get back to the basics and like you said, realize like at the end of the day they're just messengers. And I love the parable of the talents because the Bible says he gave according to their yep. ability. To their ability. To their ability. And that, that's a tough pill to swallow. But like capacity and calling and assignment yeah. needs to be considered. Not everybody's journey or calling is going to look the same. And we're all in the same team, essentially. That's it, man. You know and, I, you know, I think it's interesting. You know, I think we also have to learn how to look at ability as maturity, too. Mm. You know? Mm. Like, maturity is a part of ability. Yeah. Because I think, you know, if I'm just... That's a word. It is. Yeah. I mean, so I think <laughs> if just... If I'm honest, when I think about my own self in this season of my life where I'm at, I'm 28. You know, I know you just had your 30th. Yeah. You getting old, bro. Oh, uh, <laughs> I know. But when I, when I think about my own... You know, my own self and where I'm at at 28, I can't, I couldn't handle thousands. Yeah. Like, I don't, and when I say couldn't handle, I I, I know some people over spiritualize, yes, you can, you got the whole, you know, yeah. Yeah. But my (laughs) own maturity, I don't think, and maybe I'm growing in it, and maybe that's why we're seeing God grow us in our church in different ways like that. But if God would have sent me a thousands when I was 26, 27, I don't know that I would have stewarded my assignment Mm. as well. Mm. Because there were still so many things that God needed to grow me up in and yeah. and teach me and all these things like that. And so if when Matt Chandler started, if that's what his maturity and his ability, that's the capacity of what God could do in his life, and he was able to handle that, praise the Lord. And yeah. obviously it works out just fine. Yeah. 
But if that's not the case in my life, that's also okay. Because I think whereas, you know, especially at church winners, we're so tempted to look at the quote-unquote overnight successes, which none of them are. None, yeah. we, we met them overnight, but God didn't prepare them overnight, right? right? right like right. there were things they went through, seasons, prayers they prayed, challenges they went through where God was getting them ready. And we just met them when they were not even a finished product because we're not, but we met them when they were a product ready to be on display. Right. Um, but I think, you know, we, we, we look at those stories, but we neglect mm. the stories of just faithfulness through the years. Mm. You know, some of the churches I think about now or I look up to their pastors and things like that, um, I think about a new pastor I'm getting closer and connected to. uh, His name is Rudy Rasmus in Houston, Texas, we were talking about earlier. St. John's United Methodist Church. And, you know, they got thousands of members. But, man, he has been, he planted that church 29 years ago. And so for 29 years, he's just been faithfully shucking away. You know what I'm saying? I think about, you know, a guy named... Walter Scott Thomas in yeah. Maryland. I mean, for years. I mean, he's been there. I want to almost see him say thirty years or so. Yeah. You know, start and just been faithfully chugging away at it. You know, just doing doing the work. And so it's you know one thing that's become real in my life. And I told our my wife this this past weekend because there was some uh, we had a lot of staff members and people who were going to be out for yeah. our weekend services. And she was like, "Oh, just feels like we got a lot to do today." Yeah. And you know, she was. I think she was feeling sad and was wondering, are we doing well and how are those things going? But God's matured me in some ways past that point. Like three years ago, I would have been really sad and depressed. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, my gosh, we're missing so many team members. Yeah. Who knows what service is going to be like, whatever. Yeah. But I've started to just resolve, man, mm. that, you know, if you make faithfulness your goal, mm. as long as you show up, you'll never be disappointed. Mm, that's so good. And so I think faithfulness is the goal, man. Yeah. That's that's That's... That's what I'm making my game, my goal, my aim yeah. is to just try to be faithful. And if I do that, yeah. as long as I show up, yeah, yeah. then I, I've accomplished the goal. And as long as I pray and prepare and do what the Lord has called me to do, and then whatever the outcomes are, whether it's people coming, people getting saved, all those things like that, at the end of the day, I can stand before the Lord one day and say, I was faithful. Yeah. I did I did the best I could yeah. to with what you told me to do and what you gave me. Bro. I love that because, again, going back to the parable of the talents, um, the master comes back to them and says to the one who doubled um, what they had with yep. the, the five and the three, well done, good, and faithful. faithful not sir. fruitful. Nope. Faithful, faithful sir. That's right. Yeah, and I think we we mix up the word faithfulness with fruitfulness. Yeah, that's good. Like, you could be faithful without being fruitful. Yeah. And not everybody who's fruitful has been faithful. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And then you got to measure what kind of, you have to measure. The other thing about fruit fruitfulness is, and just fruit in general, one, fruitfulness doesn't happen immediately. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. good. one plants, one waters. Yeah. You know, God gives the increase. Right. And we don't even know, and we may not always even see when the increase happens. Nah. So, you know, there's that part. And then the other side of the coin is, to your point, you have to look at what kind of fruit it is. Mm. You know? You know there are, you know there are poisonous berries? Do you know that? <laughs> there are poisonous Talk berries. Talk about it. Um, there are other types of fruits that are poisonous that our bodies can't take that we couldn't eat. Maybe some animals could eat them, but humans can't eat them. Mm. 
And I think the, one of the problems we have in the kingdom of God mm-hmm. is we've just determined that every kind of fruit mm-hmm. that comes is is considered a good fruit, and therefore <laughs> so-and-so has been fruitfulness. And it's like, I mean, you know, <laughs> we have to not only measure, we, all, we not only have to be patient or acknowledge the fact that we may not see some fruit come into flourishing. That's yes. a reality yes. that every leader, minister, follower of Jesus has to accept. Yeah. You know? So it's crazy that you say that because, let me tell you what, that's crazy. Um, God is a God of generations. Yep. So when God told Abraham in Genesis 15, get out of your tent, mm-hmm. look up as many stars as you can count, that will be your, um, that will be your seed, or that will be your uh, what's the word I'm looking inherit? Not um, uh, I'm blanking, but he's like, if you could see it, that's yours. That yeah. will be your blessing or what have you. But what's crazy is Abraham never got to see it. Never saw it. He saw it, but he didn't see it. That's right. We get to see it now. Yeah, thousands of years later. Yep. But he never saw it. That's right. And I feel like we we sometimes think that what God is starting in us or what God is doing with us, we have to see or be a part of, not knowing that we might just be the ones that start it. We might be the ones that are getting it off the uh, off its foot or off the ground. And and God just does what he does best in his timing and in his way. And I yeah. think that, like, I mean, I, I always think about Moses, and I've given this example, like, plenty of times, but Moses is someone that was extremely faithful he got upset once, bro. Once. <laughs> One time. He has the right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, after all That's that. at he, that point, man. He's, he's an old point, man. He ain't got yes. time for a lot of, you know. No foolishness. No foolishness. But he got, yes. you know. Yeah. But he, his anger got to the best of him. Poor man. He loses out on seeing the, yeah. the promised land. But nobody's going to look at his ministry and say he was unfaithful. Oh, no. But there, there are generations that came after him that got to reap the, the benefits, benefits absolutely of his of his, his obedience his obedience that's right and i think a lot of the times like maybe we could talk about this like why do you think we're so infatuated with needing to yield fruit or results the moment we plant well you know i think so interestingly enough me and my wife we were just having this conversation about trying to grasp we're thinking about eternity right yeah. and there's a you know pretty known clip out there of uh francis chan mm. Explaining it to the the one with the rope, right? And he's like this. And he's talking about uh, obviously living like however we want in this moment, not thinking about the reality that eternity is this long. But I I think in another sense, it's because in that same vein, I don't know that we see our work Mm. through the lens of eternity either. You know? And when you look at your work through the lens of eternity. Come on. And through. Talk about it. The reality that uh, when we look at ourselves through God's grand cosmic plan and scheme, then you just, I think for me in any, in any way, I'm, I'm beginning to grow and to realize, like, I don't have to, if I, if I don't see it now, that doesn't mean I won't see it later. Mm-hmm. And that I'm just also just one piece of this grand cosmic yes. scheme and plan of what God is doing throughout all of eternity. Yes. And my job is to run my race yeah. and to know that that's, that's good enough. Bro, can I, let me interrupt you. Okay? Please. Because this is, I think this is going to get to the heart of the issue. I feel like part of the problem is we've made ministry about us. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> seriously, Absolutely. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I think the reason why we're struggling in 2021 is because 
we associate AR identity with our platform mm-hmm. and we associate our results with our calling. Yep. And we think that if I don't yield results, then I'm not called. Like, it's literally about us. I think about Elijah and how he served the multitude and then God's like, here, serve one widow. Yep. It's like, but that's, that's, that's a career suicide right there. Yeah. Like, you're going to leave the masses to serve one? Serve Was one. it for three years? Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, why do you think we have associated um, ministry to, or ministry success to individual success or ministry failures to maybe, like, personal failures? And why do you think we have become the center of all? I mean, you brought up Francis Chan. Francis Chan in his book, um, Crazy Love. Yep. Has that example where he's like, when you're watching, we're in, we're all the extras. Yeah, that's it. In God's movie, and how wild would it be if you're looking at a movie and you see your one little part where you're not even the one talking, you're not the one in the main shot, and you're like, look, this movie is about me. Yeah, you would look ridiculous because it's not. You help enhance the story. You help enhance the scene, but. No way, shape, and form is the scene or the movie about you. Yeah. You are here. You are a supporting cast, and the story is about Jesus. Dude, and I, I think that's it, though. I think, I mean, I think you've answered the the reason. Um, I think we, we just forget that we're role players. I think we forget that, you know, we're just passing through, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so in, in some sense, I don't know that we think about or contemplate our own mortality and think about how, the world is going to keep spinning when we go on. How God is going to keep working yeah. when we are in heaven with him. Yeah. You know, and so I think for me, I think that's what I think about a lot. And not to be morbid, but I just, I think about that a lot. I think about how yeah. there's going to come a day I'm going to go and be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Cannot wait. Yeah. Excited about it. Um, <laughs> not that I, I want to go now or too soon, but I, yeah. I look forward to the day I'll be with the Lord. And yeah. when that happens, God's going to keep working and I would have been able to say I was a part of that plan. I was a part of what was taking place. But I just think that, you know, it's the it's the whole Copernicus thing, man. It's, you know, up until Copernicus, I want to say it was like in the 15th century or something like that, 15th or 16th century, yeah. most of the world assumed that the earth was the center of the universe. Yeah. Until he says, no, nah, actually, do you notice, like, that... That sun, you, you, have you ever asked why the seasons change and all these things like that? And he's like, actually, look, behold, the sun mm. is the center of the universe. That's everything revolves around that. And yeah. that's the truth, man. The yeah. sun is the center of the universe, yeah. the yeah. S-O-N. Yeah, yeah. And everything revolves around that. And for me, you know, actually, there's liberty in that. Mm. I don't know about everybody else. But for me, I am freed by the fact that everything does not revolve around me. Because I know how much of a colossal failure I can be. Like you and me both. You know what I'm saying, man? So with that said, I mean, it it just seems it seems foolish to try to be upset about, you know, is the ministry doing what I think it should be doing or growing how I think it should be growing. It it really is about is God pleased. Right. Um, and I think I just resolve that that's that's all I care about. Right. And, you know, I get the dynamic of, you know, I guess associating fruitfulness. Like, we can all be tempted to make that our, um, yeah. to associate whether we've been failures or not uh, with, is the ministry growing or is this happening, things like that. But I think I just go back to what I said earlier. I think if God is pleased, if I've been faithful, that's 
That's it, man. That yeah. I mean, what I I can't measure my life by the quote unquote size or length and breadth of my ministry and all those things like that. And then to your point, we're all just part of a larger story, and we're building on generations, mm-hmm. right? Like my dad, uh, Kenneth Martin, Kim Martin. My dad pastors in Little Rock, and I, as I've grown older, I've started to think a lot about mm. my dad's ministry. Mm. And think about even the sacrifices my dad has made yeah. for me and my brother and mm. so that we could live the kind of lifestyle we live and so I could have opportunities mm. to go and to learn and to further my education. And so, and I didn't appreciate him in real time, but I look back now and I'm like, man, no, I'm really standing on the shoulders of mm. my father yeah. in his ministry. And even now, and I think my dad would say this, like he would say my ministry, even though I don't agree, he would probably say it's it's gone to places that his ministry didn't go mm-hmm. because of the exposure that I've had. But he's the reason I had that exposure. Right, right. So, and, and the same thing, you know, God willing for my girls, for my kids, like yeah. they're going to go and be better followers of Jesus, probably go to places I've never gone and, yeah. and do things I've never seen. Yeah. And they're standing on my shoulders. And yeah. so, yeah. And, and in all of that, my prayer is that God will be able to say he was pleased with my family yeah. because of what my dad did and what I did and then what my girls do. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I get it, but I think we just have to uh, stop making ministry about us. <laughs> like, it's just, it. it's just, it's not about you. It's not. It really isn't. Like, <laughs> so let me ask you this. I know we covered a little bit about fruitfulness and maybe having a correct framework of thought as it pertains to fruit. Right. Maybe somebody listens to that and they're like, all right, doesn't matter. I'm just going to do me. Sure. I'm not going to be excellent. I'm not going to put in my time. Like, cool, if if my church is only going to be 30 members, I'm not going to study 40 hours a week. (laughs) You know, like, if it's not a packed house, then I'm not going to take my my discipline seriously. I'm not going to take my studies seriously. I'm not going to take discipleship seriously. I'm not going to take all of these things. So, like... What's that fine line between, okay, working unto the Lord and working unto results Mm. and knowing that like just because you might not bear fruit in the way maybe culture deems as fruit doesn't mean that we're not called to be faithful and we still, let me tell you a story. I remember when we were a young adult ministry, it was, it was maybe like three, four years ago, Um, actually longer than that, like five years ago, um, we weren't... There was a season when we first got started where there was like five of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There and you go. And like three of them were like on the worship team. There you go. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but I just had this conviction to give it all that I had. That's right. And I remember one day I was dropping off one of our worship leaders up, uh, off at home. And she, she was, and I didn't think anybody noticed, but she was like, hey, I want to say thank you. I was like, why are you, why are you thanking me? She's like, because you preach like it's like there's a packed house. She's like, there's six of us, but you give it your all. Mm-hmm. And I was I, if I were to even be honest, I don't even know if I knew that I was doing that. Yeah. I think I was just trying to be faithful. Just try to be faithful. I didn't really consider all the moving parts of why that might have been significant given our, our context. And so, like, what would you say to someone that's, like, not being faithful because they're not yielding fruit? Or why is it that we're still called to give it our all, even if the numbers don't reflect or the analytics don't reflect. Yeah, I, th- I mean, two reasons, I mean, come to mind. I think one, and you alluded to it, it's what we see in Colossians, right, in in uh, the end of chapter 3, which says, do everything mm-hmm. as unto the Lord and not unto man. Mm-hmm. 
and we had a conversation about this a little bit earlier when we were talking about some different dynamics, but you know, what ultimately, what we always have to remember as followers of Jesus is our posture should be everything I'm doing, I'm doing to God's glory. Mm. So when you talk about not having a bigger audience or more people and more members, you have the biggest audience you'll ever have mm. when you do it that way. Yeah. You have the most input. You're literally, you know, I, dare I say performing yeah, yeah. for the God of the universe. Yeah. For the one who created all, you're, there's not there's not a more important right. person that you'll ever stand in front of. Yeah, yeah. And so when you do it, when I think when your heart leans that way, it's like every morning, every time I stand up in the pulpit or the lead a worship team or help in a small group or go to my job, right, yeah. or raise yeah. my kids or whatever those dynamics are, I'm doing it for the God of the universe. Right. So I think that's one thing. But then the second thing I'll say is that the people who are benefiting from your service that you're giving to God you don't know who they are or what will happen through their lives. Like, you know, you never know who they'll be. Yeah. You never know how the gospel message will change them or how you may reach nations. You may reach nations yeah. because you reach the one yeah. and they go to reach nations, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have to, you, you can't take the one for granted. You can never take the one for granted. And right, this is Luke 15 that he yeah. always goes after the one, yeah. the yeah. lost, the one lost coin, the yeah. one lost sheep, the lost son that was out of the house. So yeah. you can't take the one for granted. Um, and so many stories, so many countless stories come to mind about. It. I was telling you earlier yeah, I was about. So you want to share that? Yeah, story. sure. I, I was telling you earlier about uh, my my pastor friend, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah my yeah. pastor uh, who I who I just met, or who I've been spending more time with and everything like that. But it's so interesting. He pastors in Houston, and. Um, you know, he was telling his story last night on a panel discussion that we were on together yeah. about music, things like that. He was, And he says, you never know who's in your congregation. So this man pastored in Houston, planted this church 29 years ago. Well, some years ago, there were some young ladies that sat in his congregation mm. and had singing gifts and would go to talent shows and things like that. And so he would pray over the young ladies and pray over uh, the rest of the students and the kids and all those things like that. And just praying over him, trying to be a good pastor, faithful. Well, those young ladies grew up to be Destiny Child. Mm. One of those young ladies grew up to be Beyonce. 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 <laughs> and, and it was crazy to hear him tell the stories of how, you know, his pastoring her and pastoring their family and even how it's benefited the kingdom of God and the amazing work mm. they've been able to do because of the resources that have been, have been brought in because he yeah. prayed over yeah. some little girls going to sing yeah. at a talent show yeah, yeah. and prayed over a little girl who – who had a singing gift and had a had a heart and a goal. And so you just never know, never know. where God is going to take people in their lives. You never know who God will use. And so you can't discount the one. And I think one of the ways you also do that is you remember what it was like when we first started. None of us started. My first sermon, I joke, me and my mother and my older brother and my dad, we all joke about it. My first sermon was a sermon called Who Paid For It? And I was like probably six years old, yeah. and it was it was more me. It was probably first evidences I had a call in my life, but it was really more me. Well, actually, it was true. I, I was really preaching my little heart out yeah, actually yeah, at six yeah. years old. But <laughs> I would point to things in the room, and I would say, "Who paid for it?" And it was a it was a call and response kind of sermon. Yeah. So when I pointed to oh, things in the room, early. started early. <laughs> uh, my mom, my brother, whoever I was preached to, would say, "Jesus." Yeah. That's who they would. That's, I would point to a lamp, say, "Who paid for it?" They say, "Jesus." Yeah. I, and so, and then I close uh, <laughs> with, "And who paid for your life?" And then they'd say, "Jesus." That was the end of the sermon. Oh, I always bring it back to the gospel. I always bring it back to the gospel, man. <laughs> and. But you know when I and so when I first started and when I first started preaching as an a you know teenager and was really yeah. taking it serious, man, I preached in teen church. I mm. preached to mm. 
you know, two people I preached to the ducks. I went to pre uh, prisons and preach because in its purest form, that it was never about preaching to the multitudes. It was about being faithful to a call God had put on my life. And then over time, the crowd started getting a little bigger and things like that. And so now I think for, for so many people, maybe the crowds have grown to the size where the, maybe the crowds have gone so big that the memory of why they started has grown small. And that's, that's a whole nother, yeah. And or maybe they've seen so many large crowds that they've started to measure whether they were truly called based upon the crowds that they stand in front of. Yeah. But again, I think it's about being faithful to God and it's about remembering that when we all or many of us who I'll, I'll say the ones who were really called by the Lord, yeah. we all started doing this. None of us started doing it because we wanted to stand in front of a thousand or two thousand people. We did it because we love Jesus, yeah, that's it. and we felt like He was calling us to spread His gospel. And, and that's what's scary about everything. Because I remember, bro, when I first told people I wanted to be a pastor, I knew early, like you. Yeah, I was maybe thirteen, fourteen. Yep, that's why we're friends, right there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and what's crazy is. Everybody looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. It's like, why would you waste your life? Yeah. Like, why, why would you throw your life away? Like, I had family members cry. It's like, bro, there's no money there. There's no money at it. There's do no, something else. Do, you did not come all the way from Ethiopia to squander opportunities in this land and be in ministry. I'm going to spread some gospel about a guy <laughs> in the Middle East. What you doing, man? For real. Like, what you doing? And like you said, started off. Simply, it was simply about Jesus. It's like I was transformed by this message. I was impacted, and I couldn't see myself doing anything else other than giving people the hope of the gospel. That's right. But what ends up happening is you get into, it. and then I think we've had a cultural shift. Yeah. I don't know if it's social media. I don't know if it's YouTube. I don't know if it's celebrity pastors. I don't know what it is, but now everybody wants to be a pastor. Everybody wants to be a communicator. Everybody wants to be an influencer. Everybody wants to be a content creator. Yeah. Like this is the way the tide has shifted. And I'm not even going to judge people like that because I know even within my own heart, you can get lost in the sauce and start doing things because it will lead to greater opportunities. Yeah. To get in certain rooms. Yeah. To meet certain individuals. Yep. To like, I, even within my own heart, I'm like, man, I wonder if this, if I maximize this opportunity, where that would lead me instead of how can I maximize this opportunity to serve the lost That's or serve right. those that need to hear a word from God That's right. today. And even in my own heart, I'm like, God, this is in me. Like, and no, and <laughs> but you know, I think, so, so it's interesting, a couple of things. I think one, yeah, that admittance, that honesty that this is in me, that this is possible yeah. is one of the things I feel like that helps to guard it from yeah. actually becoming a reality in our yeah. lives. Because yeah. if I'm honest about it, God, that this is possible and this can happen in my life, then I'm at least intentional, right, about asking the Lord to check that part of my heart. I'm, I'm to keep that from yeah. me, right? So yeah. being honest about that, yeah. I think that's a uh, detriment. That's a place where I think so many people miss yeah. is they don't think that it's possible in their lives or they yeah. don't want to admit that ugly part of their hearts. They don't, yeah. So I think, you know, that's one part of it. But I think, you know, the other thing I'll say is, and I get what you, and I, and I agree, like I'm, you don't, we, we, we shouldn't judge because all of us are susceptible to that. I'll also say that we, we do need to also make sure we're warning people though too. Yes. 
I, it's funny. I just wrote this down. I thought about this last night. I was laying in the bed. Me and my wife were having a conversation. And I, it just dawned on me. And I was just like, you know, in our culture, you do have to be careful of people, uh, communicators, I should say, mm. who want you to listen to them as they're lifted up on a platform, mm. but who are uninterested in actually pastoring and shepherding people's souls. We got a lot of speakers nowadays and not a lot of shepherds. Wow. We ask, listen, man, there are a lot of preachers who mount platforms, but there are not a lot of pastors anymore. Mm. And the the challenge is we live in a culture that is okay with that because they want speakers on platforms, but they don't want shepherds or pastors. They don't want, they don't, you know, people that are actually walking with them, helping them to become better followers of Jesus. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with communicating to the masses. No. And I think there there is something to be said about people who their gift is preaching and teaching, and so they are best serving the kingdom by communicating to the masses. Yeah. I think that's exactly true. But I, I, I also think there is this dynamic where we just got to be careful yeah. not to forget that we're not just speakers, we're shepherds, yeah. right? If you're a pastor, you are a shepherd, yeah. um, that we aren't just called to stand on platforms, but we are called to lovingly lead people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So so much so much to be said there. So much to reflect on. I know um as you were speaking for whatever reason I was reminded of the podcast that came out with CT magazine. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hills. Have you heard that at all? Only through you. Through yeah, the the story of Mark uh, Driscoll or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I've heard you talk about it. I, me and my friends have been talking about that a lot lately. Okay. But I'll spare you the details. There's just this one moment. Like, as you were speaking, there was a section of the podcast that stood out to me. And they were, um, you know, I think they did a good job of calling out maybe the culture of the church sure. or the leadership of the church. But one thing that they were also attempting to do in the podcast is not just hold them accountable, but hold Christian culture accountable. Mm-hmm. And they were getting at this idea, and this made me reflect heavily and maybe even yeah, just it scared me a little bit, but there's something in, that's going on in Christian culture right now where we care more about the charisma mm. of a pastor yeah. than the character yeah. of a pastor. And so we were okay with speakers and no shepherds. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of reasons. I mean, a lot of, like it's not just pastors that don't really care to shepherd. We also have a culture right now that doesn't want to be held accountable. Yeah, that's hey, facts. That doesn't want to be walked with. That doesn't want to be corrected or rebuked. Yeah, no, they, they don't. They don't. Yeah, no, they, <laughs> encourage me, but you keep that old challenge and correction piece. Seriously, so we come to church for a word or an mm-hmm. encouragement or to be inspired or to be uplifted. And then it's like, leave me to myself to figure life out. Yeah. And so there is something about our culture now too, where not only are we okay with pastors simply teaching and not shepherding, but we're okay with that as well because we don't want to be shepherded. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's a lot to be, to be said there, but let me, as we're kind of closing here, let me ask you this. Um, what, what is a win for you? Like, as we're thinking about uh, pastoring, as we're thinking about being faithful, as we're thinking about what it looks like to be fruitful, as we're thinking about what it looks like to honor God, uh, to not discount the one, as we're talking about what it looks like to (laughs) shepherd and be in the lives of people. Um, And when when we even look at what's going on in society and culture and Christian culture um, and everything that, all the implications that come with that, like, what, what is a win for you and what do you 
have your people around you hold you accountable to? What do you have your wife or conversations with you? What what does that what do those conversations look like? What in your own heart? What are you surrendering to the Lord? Uh, what are you fighting for to be faithful? Yeah. So you know, I think, and this is something I begin to just kind of really echo in our staff all the time, or tell to our staff in our church all the time. So for me personally, I'm trying to always remember I'm a follower of Jesus first, and I'm a leader for Him second. Mm. So being a faithful follower of Jesus, yeah, personally, Seth, not Pastor Seth, not any of that. Seth, being a faithful follower of Jesus, growing in my walk with Christ, um, loving my family well, um, loving my friends well, serving my church well, that's my bringing God glory through that way. That's my, that's my big win. That's mm-hmm. my big why and what's going on in my heart. Um, and then I think the next part of that is like giving my best in that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so... Preaching the word of God faithfully as clearly as I can, giving the best of my service when every time I'm out that pulpit, you know, leading well, um, our staff and our team, trying to figure out how can I shepherd well. So really just just giving my best, um, the best of my service, okay. the best of my life. Again, I that that's my win. Um and it's I think it's always amazing and I celebrate, you know, when people are saved mm. in our church or when they're baptized and when people join and all those things like that. But those aren't my wins. Those are things that I, that are possible potential outcomes mm. of what I believe is, you know, which is the the win for me, which is giving my best, just being faithful, the best of my service. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, there, there's a book called Atomic Habits. Oh, yeah. Heard right? About it, yeah. right. Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear. And, he talks about how, you know, you the win can't be like a person's goal, mm. but having great systems mm. really should be what we're driving toward. I'm paraphrasing, right? Yeah. He And he talks about how every NBA team starts out at the beginning of the season wanting to win, yeah. right? That But what sets those who end up winning apart from those who don't are the systems, are the strategy are the habits that they develop or that they employ as they're going through the rest of the season. Right. right? And so that's, that's the hard attitude for me. It's like, yeah, everybody wants to lead the masses to Jesus or wants to see these kind of things or whatever, you know, baptisms, the good things we should, we want to see. Yeah. Like people can say baptisms, people walking in life together on in disciple. Oh, you know, every, every pastor and leader in, and even if you're not a pastor leader or if you're just a follower of Jesus, you know, every follower of Jesus, you know, should have the same wins, which is glorifying God. And, yeah. and by doing some of these things, we're called to as disciples. But I think it's not just about the wins. It's about the systems we employ. So for me, my habits are more my goals. Those are the wins, like my devotional life. When I'm faithful in doing that, that's a win for me. When I'm faithful in loving my wife, that's a win for me. When I'm faithful in loving my girls, that's a win. So when, I, when I've given my best work to prep for a sermon, that's a win. So even if the sermon doesn't render anybody coming to faith in Jesus, or even if, you know, I have a bad day, or even if, you know, I don't pastor church that's thousands or anything like that, which, by the way, the longer I'm pastoring, the more I'm like, that's okay. Yeah. The couple of people I that's got are okay. That's, that's enough. Yeah. I'm serious. Like, the, the ones I got, I passed a good church. I love my people. Yeah. I don't know what I would do if you multiplied, yeah. 
you know, whatever. But again, if I, if I do those things, that's the win for me, man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and whatever outcomes happen, that ain't up to me anyway. Yeah. And you know, last thing I'll say is Mark Batterson is one of my favorite yeah. uh, authors. You know, he he said he has a line in one of his books. He says, you know, faithfulness is our responsibility. Outcome is God's. Yeah. So when I'm more worried about the outcome of things or growth or fruitfulness, all that stuff like that, I'm actually crossing the line and stepping into God territory, right? That ain't got nothing to do with me. So faithfulness is my job. That, you, you ended it like that? Well, that's just... <laughs> that's you, how we're going to do that? Well, bro, you know, my, we always had these conversations. My <laughs> goodness. I wish they heard the conversation we had over lunch. I don't know if they're ready for that conversation. That, that, was, that was intense. <laughs> Man, thank you for gracing this podcast and lending us your time and wisdom. It's always a good time. Glad we finally made it happen. We've been talking bro. about it for a while. Yeah. And we're here. We hey, we here. We live here. Like we live here. we're not even our churches aren't even far from each other. Ah, seriously. That's just the season we're in, man. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. And so thank you, man, for just sharing all that you were sharing. I hope this blessed and encouraged you guys, family. And until next time, peace and grace. <laughs>